welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 307, recorded October 20th, 2019. And today we are finishing off the Q conflict. Yes. That we started last episode. Uh, This was a six-parter that combined the original series, Next Generation, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine, all into one long miniseries. (laughs) It it was long, but it did give a chance to to see uh, four of the five main series captains uh, together, working together on uh, on a big problem, resolving a big problem. And, of course, the crews, too. But I kind of like the... uh, I kind of like getting those captains together. Right. Yep, I did too, and I was really looking forward to this this miniseries. But uh, but overall, I don't know. It reminded me too much of that that game that I told you about. Which, right. Um, you know, it's kind of cool to have Spock and Cisco on the same team, but it also doesn't really work if you if you try to think about it too hard. Right, and the ending definitely could have been better. Right. Right. Yeah, and and yeah, there's going to be some times where I'm going to ask you what was going on because uh I, I didn't even catch why certain people did what they did uh well, okay aside uh, from i just needed some screen time i guess i don't know but we can talk about it here oh yeah well some of that could be happening right because other people get the total total short shrift yeah um, most of them do exactly and, and, unless you're uh, a captain you're you're not going to be in this very you're much. not in it very much but at least o'brien and uh dr Bashir did a bit especially towards the end yeah, and Worf had a little bit, so. Yeah. All right, Ken, so you ready to go into issue number four? I am. Okay, so this one's published date is April 2019, and uh, it's it's the same people pretty much, but for this episode, I will, I will state them all. Writers, Scott and David Tipton. Pencils, Sylvia Califano. Inks, Elizabeta D'Amico. Colors by Alexandra... Alexa Kiss, letterer Neil Yutaki, edits by Chase Marotz, editorial assists by Annie Perhentupa, uh, group editor Denton J. Tipton. Three covers. Cover A features an odd light blue background that sort of looks like an abstract star field uh, with white streaks of gas clouds in front of it. Um, however, when you look closely at the white gas parts, parts of them kind of form uh, like a pattern, like a disturbed pool of water with ripples emanating out from the center. Uh, kind of kind of weird uh, background. Four orange circles are lined up vertically along the left edge of the cover, containing the heads of Picard, Data, Cisco, and Kira. This appears to be uh, the left half of a larger picture. Um, and this cover is by David Messina. Cover B looks like the right half of the larger pic of a larger picture that goes with cover A. 
This cover has the same light blue and white background, but this one features four orange circles on the right edge containing Kirk, Spock, Janeway, and Seven of Nine. It's the wormhole, Ken. It, that's supposed to be the wormhole? Yeah, when you put them together, it's it's the wormhole. Okay. Cool. I've never seen the wormhole look like that before. Okay, it's, it's cool. Great. It's a mad wormhole. It's a mad wormhole. It's a very, very single monocolor white wormhole. Okay. Um, the retailer incentive cover A is another George uh, Sodas cover. Um, that seems to draw inspiration again from Olympic posters of the past. In the center uh, is an orange-haired Vulcan woman looking a little like Paul with a dye job holding a torch in her right hand and making the Vulcan LLAP sign with her left hand. Four elongated stars break the cover up into four quadrants, each containing one of our hero ships. A Defiant in the upper left, Voyager in the upper right, Enterprise in the lower right, Enterprise E in the lower left. Latin words sequitur omnia astra are centered in the lower half of the cover, and they mean follow the stars. That's it for the covers. Picard visits Guinan to get her unique insights into the tournament the crews find themselves in. She tells Picard what she thinks is going on based on her experience with Q. Q sees the other godlings as a direct threat to the continuum, so he preemptively attacked them, but he may have bitten off more than he could chew. He is using the tournament as a distraction while he prepares to make his next move against the others. Picard and the other crews are caught in the middle. She goes all Captain Obvious and tells Picard to play along for now, you can't trust Q to keep his word and um, let you all go after the contest is over. Okay, thank you. Kind of knew that. Uh, she closes saying that you have more, more allies than you think. Q tells each crew on each ship that break time's over. Time for the next match, which involves a challenge that cannot be beat. Q invites them to step outside. They find themselves docked at Deep Space Nine. Q calls the wormhole beautiful, and turning to Cisco, says it is not just a passageway, is it? Q says the prophets refused Q's invitation to participate in the competition. How rude! He says the next game is to get the prophets to stick their heads out and say hello. Q does not care how the Starfleeters do it. Cisco objects, saying the prophets are not pets to perform for the likes of Q. Cisco says Q has no idea of the powers that he is playing with. Q says he does and can handle the prophets quite easily. The other godlings do not appear as confident as Q. Kirk and company wonder if this is the opening they have been waiting for. Q says no more chit-chat and sends the crews back to their ships saying he wants to see some prophets. Impress me. On Enterprise E, Picard and team come up with a plan to flood the wormhole with a stream of anti-tachyons to counteract the stream of tachyons emitted by the wormhole center as it opens. Not all think this is a great way to get the Prophet's attention, but Picard asks Geordi to make preparations. 
They try it, and nothing appears to happen. On the defiance, Cisco overrules Dr. Bashir and Counselor Troy's objections and tries to use his position as the emissary to contact the prophets with his mind. At Deep Space Nine, Janeway, Tom Paris, Riker, and Major Kira are in the Bajoran religious area that houses an orb. Major Kira opens the container to expose the orb and attempts to communicate with the prophets. On the Enterprise, Kirk solicits ideas, and Jadzia comes up with going into the wormhole since they have no orb and no emissary to leverage. McCoy raises concerns, but Jadzia acknowledges some amount of risk. Kirk decides to go with the plan. Worf acknowledges to O'Brien that seeing Jadzia, his wife again, after her death is difficult. Once in the wormhole, with no word from the prophets, Jadzia is not sure what to do. Kirk opens a hailing frequency and simply calls out to the prophets. Kirk seems to be transported into an environment of all white. At first, Edith Keeler appears, asking Kirk what he is doing here. He says he is here to ask the prophets to come out and communicate with Q. On hearing Q's name, Edith turns into the image of an angry Gary Mitchell, complete with glowing white eyes. The prophet quickly turns into Christopher Pike, saying they mean no harm and that Kirk and company do not belong here. The image of Pike closes, saying that they will take care of Q. The Enterprise emerges from the wormhole. Cut to Q and Trelane, talking about old times in the garden. When suddenly Q is in an all-white place, surrounded by figures that look like Q, in many different guises that he has used over the ages. A Q figure dressed as Napoleon says, You wanted to see us, Q? Q calls the images used by the prophets parlor tricks. The prophets call Q out for his childish calls for them to take part in his games. Worried, Q says he just wanted to shake things up a bit and see how powerful the prophets really were. An angry prophet says shake things up, happy to oblige. In the defiance, Sisko realizes something is wrong and calls to the bridge for a status report. In DS9, Kira and others are temporarily blinded by the light suddenly coming from the orb. Gaiden eyes wide open and simply says, Oh no. The wormhole emissions increase violently as the space around DS9 goes all white except for the wormhole. Parts of DS9 start to deform towards the wormhole as if it is turning into a black hole with unbelievably strong gravitational pull. Q says he is not afraid of the prophets and their power. The prophets retort, saying, they can do and undo. They will not be manipulated by Q any longer. And in the future, Q will leave them alone, as Q fades out, replaced by what might be three prophets. Reality warps around Q. His own head deforming, he screams, stop! Q, using his powers in a battle royale against the prophets, with DS9 and four tiny starships caught in the crossfire, as two humanoids-looking figures standing on an asteroid watch the spectacle. The blonde man with a familiar white jumpsuit says to the blonde lady with a lavender dress that they are going to have to do something about this. To be continued. 
So, Prophet's pretty dang powerful. You're you're right. Yeah, Q has stirred up a hornet's nest. I like how even the uh, borders to the to the boxes to the to the comic book panels are all warped and deformed and stuff uh, because the the wormhole aliens are that much that powerful that they could even affect the comic, <laughs> the book, comic itself. book itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I love thought that. that was pretty cool. That's great. That is great. Yeah, so kind of cool. They 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 fit Edith Keeler in. They they fit Gary Mitchell in, and even uh, Pike. I wasn't right. expecting that, but yeah, they're, I really they're trying to cram it. everybody they could. Yeah, that vision was pretty cool. And this way works. I mean, the way they're doing it here is pretty cool. And uh, and of course, it's a new thing for Kirk. Kirk's never experienced this, but this right. is reminiscent of what Cisco experienced when he communicated with the uh, prophets, right? Right. Yeah, and he's always like talking to himself or talking to other people for, that he knows. Right. right. Yeah. Yep, no, it was pretty cool. And then um, it, it was a little sad that Kirk is the one that, that won this challenge mm-hmm. uh, because Cisco obviously should have won because he's the one that can talk to him normally. And then Kira is the one who has you know such devotion to him right? that it was kind of, I don't know, I felt a little bad for those two because some outsider just walks in, kicks Waltz the door open, in. and is able to talk to him. <laughs> Yeah, kicks the door open, enters their house, and is able to talk to them. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what a wormhole is. I don't know what a prophet is, but by golly, I'm just going in. Because <laughs> I am Kirk. Exactly. So. Yeah, well, right. Well, they, they had to win at some point. Sure, sure. So they picked this one. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, and it seems like Picard and company are, have the lamest approach. I mean, I think Cisco's idea of using, you know, the pull because he's the prophet is perfect. I mean, that's the I would have put my money on that. Yeah, but why didn't he go in? He always goes in when he's talking to the prophets before. So I don't know yeah. why he just stays on the outside and tries to talk to him. Yeah, I don't know. Using the force or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the force of his mind. Well, he's half uh, prophet, so hello. Isn't he half prophet? I believe they go back and say that, yeah. That's yeah. that's a retcon thing at the end. Yeah, right. Well, retcon, or they just always do that. I'm pretty sure never... that was not their plan at the beginning. Okay, okay. So, just like Bashir wasn't yeah, supposed yeah, to be exactly. an Augman at the beginning. Right, exactly. So, uh, okay, interesting. Yeah, that was a big reveal that, you know, it's like, did they really need Did they really need to do that? I mean, it's like, okay, they're doing a little bit more with the Doctor's character. Okay. Which I liked. I always liked the Doctor. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Yeah, of course, Bashir, the Doctor. Yeah, Bashir, the Doctor. Right. Uh, yeah, he's a good character. I always felt stor- sorry for him. I mean, he was a good-looking guy, but it's like he never... You know, he seemed like he always struck out the ladies. He sure did. Uh, except Jadzia. Yeah, yeah, they got together. No, not Jadzia. Um, uh, the other one. Uh, who? Ezra. Well, Ezra. Ezra that's it, that's it. And by the way, I built up a list... Of people that didn't make the cut. So, okay. but I'm I'm holding that for the end. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. well, Ezra can't make the cut because she doesn't. She's not on the. She's not a Dax yet. From their point of view. Um, what? She was on the last season. No, okay. Yeah, no, but no, from but where they're, they're so... picking people from any time period. Yeah, but they pick and, them, and, they, I mean, and they're picking the people that are picked... dead. So, 
Why not? Oh, okay. We're accelerating the conversation. Can we yeah, hold this off for the uh, last episode? I guess so. <laughs> okay. I still don't agree with what, what I think you're going to say, but okay. okay. Well, that's fine. You can you can choose to disagree with anything I say, and right, I can right. choose to uh, stick to my guns. That's true. Anyway. Even, when well, even when they're the wrong guns, you can stick to them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Corbin Bernstein shows uh, up at the end. Is that who that last guy is? Yeah, so uh, in the TNG episode Deja Q is the last time we saw uh, Corbin Bernson of uh, what L.A. Law? I think that's what yeah, the show so. was. So he was a big, at the time he was like, uh, I mean, he, he was he was a pretty hot deal uh, when L.A. Law came out. And I'm not sure if L.A. Law was still going on by the time Deja Q came out, but uh, it, it probably wasn't that that much different. Anyway, it was cool seeing him pop up in in, in the in the series. Yeah, was he the Q that that took away Q's powers and made him human? Or I think he was that that I, I think that could have been it. Yeah, I don't remember. That could have been it. But it was like the uh, it was like the first. I think that was the first time you saw another Q. Right. I think. Um. So that was interesting, and he was playing it a little over the top, you know, which seemed like it wasn't him. It seemed like he was he was kind of stretching it a bit. Um, he was showing his range. Well, I know, but you know, maybe it showed his range wasn't that long. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I hear you. I mean, he did fine. He did fine. It's just definitely uh, a lot more uh, a more animated uh, than than Arnie Becker ever was. So now, do you want to do we want to talk about the woman in the last panel or wait? Yeah, yeah let's, uh, let's talk about her. Sure. I mean, because obviously you're not supposed to know or you probably don't know who she is. I did not. So when, when, when I first read this part, I, I had a pretty good idea that that was Corbin Burnson sin cue because right. he, lo- he looks like him. he's got the same outfit. Yeah. Uh, but the girl, it was like mm, familiar, but I really don't know who she is. I had to do some looking up. Right. I thought maybe she, I mean, she doesn't look like uh, Lady Q from the Voyager series, so I didn't think she was Lady Q, but then I thought, well, maybe she's somebody else that, um, right, another all-powerful being, you know, so I wasn't, a, I wasn't, a, on this last page, I was not sure who those two people yeah. were. I, I, I kind of felt like the other guy was, was uh, that, that Q you were talking about, but right. I wasn't 100% sure because I couldn't quite remember what he looked like. Right. All I could remember was I was like, that outfit is definitely a early next generation outfit where where they would put those – any alien would get that kind of outfit. <laughs> it's such, such a ridiculous So look. generic. Right. It's, it's a jumpsuit. So I was like, I'm pretty sure this is – he's from the uh, one of the early seasons of Next Generation, but I wasn't sure about her. And but when they do say who she is, I was like, "Oh, that's that's awesome!" Yeah, I really... right. Yeah. So she's Amanda uh, from the episode True Q. True Q. Yep. And she was raised as a human, but then I guess her powers started to manifest when she was a young woman or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and wasn't she like a member of the? Yeah, she was a member of the Enterprise crew or something, right? I don't know if she was a member or she was she was on the Enterprise for sure. Okay. But I don't know if she yeah. was a crew member because she was really young. She was like Wesley's age. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I know I know Picard was involved in the decision to let her go with the Q. Not that they could have really stopped it, but um, she decided to go anyway. Yeah, so she became fully Q, I guess. 
So that episode was actually, if I'm not mistaken, written by like a like a 14 year old kid or something. Oh, like really? That. Yeah, because huh. I guess they used to take scripts or take story ideas from yeah. from anybody. Right. I don't think they do that anymore. No. But they uh, stopped. But that. yeah. Because so, uh, people was... kept suing them. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they, they, they solicited fan ideas, and then if the idea was even close to something they were working on, they already had an idea uh, and, and, you know, and continued and, and developed it into a script. If there was any overlap, then these people were like, that's my idea. You stole my idea. And it's like, uh... well, whether they did or whether it just happened to be the same idea that, you know, the... the the writing staff had already had kind of hard to tell, but so they mm. stopped that. Yeah, it's probably smart. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, how many ideas? You, I mean, there's a lot of ideas that you know are going to come up to different people. So you just wait, sure. you just open yourself up to uh, potential uh, suits if you do that, which is kind of too bad. But oh well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, definitely. So the haircut. At the end of here is identical to uh, to Corbin Burnson's sin's look. So he had really long like hair in the front, mm. uh, and then the the outfit's the same. Which, by the way, it's a good thing you're Q because I don't see how you could easily go to the restroom. In that <laughs> outfit. Well, I'm sure there's a a, a non zipper in the back to make it easy. Ooh, in the back. Well, yeah, Maybe. yeah, yeah. Just unzip it from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta get naked to go to the bathroom. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which I isn't that something they said was a big problem with uh, season one Star Trek outfits? The I mean, the the guys really did not like that outfit, right? Yeah, so they changed their outfit, but unfortunately, the women had to to keep wearing the same jumpsuit all the way to the end. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it stinks. Literally, from what I understand, those costumes really stinked because uh, I guess they weren't always washed. So oh, that really? Was another, that was another thing people complained about. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've seen them uh, you know, when they had the Las Vegas uh, Star Trek experience. Yeah, they yeah. Had quite a few on display. So right. I've seen them, but they don't let you sniff them, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And isn't it funny how the color's different from how they appear on the TV? Oh, it was amazing. It was just like, ah, that's purple. Exactly. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a purple. Uh, but then yeah. it looks beautifully red. I mean, it comes up beautiful on 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 the TV. You know, we watch it on TV. But right. just something about the cameras, I guess. And then Crusher's thing was green. I mean, when you saw it in person, her outfit was green, and then it's always blue on the show. So, mm. Mm. yep, that was that was that was pretty interesting. Right. All right. Anything else for this issue, or shall we move on to five? Um, I just have a few things. All right, let's go. Um, I thought the artwork was really good in this issue. I think DS9 looked really good, in particular was, for some reason. That, or when it was just no, just the the, the beauty it. shots they had during the, mm-hmm. uh, especially at the beginning. You know, I, th- I think it. I think they just did a nice job. There, there's one spot in particular where it's the Earth, it's the uh, Voyager and the Enterprise, original Enterprise, Enterprise E. Uh, they're all docked. To DS9, mm-hmm. and then the the uh, the wormhole with more colors than just white is in the background, and I just think that was a really nicely. It just looks nice. Looks it cool. looks nice, but the only bad thing is is that the um, DS9 has really defined black outline. You know, right. the, the 
the the pen and inking is is really defined. Okay. And then like the ships are kind of washed out. Yeah, the so, ships like, are kind of washed out. Yeah, I you wonder see why. It, like the dock, the looks like the pylon is docked to the the enterprise. The original nacelle. enterprise's pylon is, or yeah, nacelle yeah, pylon. The, is, the cell pylon, right? Yeah. yeah, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But but it's so washed out, and it doesn't have any defined edges or anything. It's just kind of right, like slides right, there. Right, right. So right, yeah, right. it's kind of weird, but. Well, yeah, I, I, it was cool DS, seeing them all together. Yeah, DS Nine itself looks awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the ships attached to it are washed out. But anywho, uh, I thought that was pretty good. Um, seeing people on the outside of DS Nine is something different. I don't think I ever saw that before. Um, you know, sometimes you see people on top of the Enterprise <laughs> saucer section a few times. You know what? I didn't even notice that when I read that the book. When I read the book the first time. I didn't notice they were on the outside. Oh. I thought they were just in the promenade. I didn't realize that it shows them standing there on that first that first panel. Right. Yep. <laughs> well, Q says, outside, everybody. It's like, what? Outside. Okay. Anyway. That's... Yeah, so that was that was nice. Um, <sighs> when the guy in was doing your discussion with Picard, I mean, I mean, beating around the bush. I mean, it was like, come out and say what you mean. Uh, okay, so you have more, f- more. I have more friends than I realize. Okay, who? <laughs> what are you holding it back from me for? I, I know there's a big reveal later, but it's like, well, what do you mean? I'm in trouble here. Don't don't leave me hanging here. Anyway, I thought it was interesting to see that Guinan is on Enterprise E because I was never sure she was. Oh, she made the transition. Yeah, because yeah, I mean they, they never, they never showed ten forward after generations, yeah. so yeah. I was never sure that the Enterprise he had a ten forward that she was on. Right. Because you know they took out all the like families and stuff on the Enterprise. Well, that's so. probably a good idea if it's going to be a Borg slaying ship. So maybe they don't necessarily need a you know a big bar area. Right. To have birthday cake and uh, in a bar area. Yeah. 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 Okay. I guess it wasn't birthday cake. It was Troy cake, wasn't it? Oh, oh that's what you're talking <laughs> when about. When she was that cake. I just remember yeah. in 10 forward there was that big cake. But now that I think about it, I think it was actually Troy's head stuck on a cake. Yeah. And exactly. Data's dream. Yeah, exactly. And then she's like looking down. It's like, oh. uh, okay. Another, uh, I, I like the point they made about, at least acknowledged how Worf's feelings would be pretty weird. I mean, seeing Judzia again after she died from his standpoint. So, uh, and of course, it was earlier before she died, apparently from the time period they, they, that, that Q snapped her out of. So she thought everything was fine. But Worf was from a later time period. So that was kind of right. cool. Yeah, so that means that this has to be, what, season three from the Deep Space Nine crew. It's season three. So right. it's... It's uh the first the first season they had the Defiant, but before Wark joined joined the crew. Oh, okay. Because okay. of his uniform or something. Well, because they don't act like they really know know that Worf all that well, right? I mean, they had well, a crossover, so they they probably know him, but they don't know him like a comrade like they would in after he was joined the team. Okay, but he he was married to Jazia, and that happened later, didn't it? Yeah, it happened later. That was like season six or so. Right. Okay. So yeah, this would have, from their point of view, from the Deep Space Nine point of view, 
he hasn't joined the crew yet. Oh, I got you. I got you. I Which got is you. why okay. Ezra shouldn't right. be on there because from from the Deep Space Nine crew all came from season three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I like that. And then, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, well. okay, here's my last thing. Um, okay. Yeah, so my question is, what exactly really happened to the crews uh, on the ships in DS9? You know, when all this stuff starts getting distorted, we've got the godlings fighting each other, and and uh, the fabric of space and time seems to be incredibly warped. I mean, what really happened to the people? I mean, they were restored. Um, well, we don't know that yet, but... Well, uh, they're going to be restored. So, <laughs> what's really happening to them? So, really... Okay, so... My I main, think they're my all main point, I think the... Exactly. Wormhole aliens what I killed think. everybody. Killed Bajor. They destroyed Bajor. They destroyed Deep Space Nine. Yeah. The the four ships. I I I think in the same way the ships were uh the were bent and contorted. So were the people. And it's right. like, ooh, what yeah, would that be like? Yeah. No, I think they even mentioned it in the next issue that uh, that you know uh, I, I don't want to spoil how they get out of it, but uh, but yeah, I think Q loses big time and everybody's dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, my main point is, what are they? What are they restored from? What did they go through? What kind of excruciating end did they all experience? Eh, well, they don't remember. They don't remember any of it. Well, I know that. I'm asking the question. Oh, oh, I don't care oh, if they so remember. Up until they I'm just saying, what did yeah, they yeah. go through? Yeah. No, it would have been horrible. They didn't show us. I mean, were they like just a whole bunch? Were they just ripped apart? And just like ink splots on the on the wall on the floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Crushed, turned into little goo. Yeah. So usually heroes, you know, a lot of times heroes, nothing bad happens to them. Oh, I think something bad happened to them. Anyway, in this case. Yeah, it's just also the prophets are supposed to be benign and, yeah. and and you know, yeah, benevolent. And then now they're just like, oh, we're going to destroy everybody just because we don't exactly. like you. <laughs> it's like, talk about overreactionary. Jeez, right. guys, take it easy. You want to see me pop my head out and say hello? This is the Bajorian hello. I mean, the the wormhole <laughs> alien hello. <laughs> like the Velk- Vulcan hello? Like the Vulcan hello, yeah. I like it. Okay, that's the last thing I have to say. Number five? All right, I'm ready. All right, so five came out in May of uh, 2019. Um, all of the art and everything is the same, with the exception of uh, pencils by David Mencia. He, did, he didn't do the pencils in the last issue. Um, there is three covers, like before. Uh, the first two um, you can put together, and they make one picture. Uh, art is by David Messia on both of them. Uh, the cover A shows the board queen's face, kind of uh, looking off to the left, and then in the middle of the page is a half of a board cube, and we see the Defiant and Enterprise E racing towards it. And then the other half of the picture, which was cover B, shows the rest of the board cube, then Q's face, and then we see uh, Voyager and the Enterprise, original Enterprise, kind of heading towards it. And then the RI cover, the the retail incentive cover, is, uh, again, a very interesting cover by uh, George Castoldis. 
Um, and this time it doesn't have any Latin words, so there's nothing to try to mispronounce. But but basically what it is, it's the uh, board queen, uh, kind of misshapen. Her head kind of looks like maybe like an alien nation type alien, but with the um, the pipes and stuff poking out. But instead of uh, her skin, we see it's all shadowed, and inside the shadow we see uh, various original series uh, aliens. So we see the salt vampire, we see a Gorn, we see um, uh, that puppet from the, the Tranya episode, a Magatu, and I don't know what the other two are, but uh, they're definitely from the original series. All right, so the story starts off uh, right where the other one left off, which is the uh, the big fight between Q and the Wormhole Prophets. And Q is definitely losing. Uh, the Wormhole aliens are warping all of time and space. So uh, like we said earlier, uh, seems like everybody's dead or dying horribly. Uh, Q tries to hold it all back, and then suddenly everything reverts back to normal. Q is reformed there in his garden inside of a captain's uniform, and he's looking exhausted and beaten. Uh, the man and woman from the last issue stand over him. Uh, they are the reason why Q's error was fixed, and everything's been reverted back to normal. The man is the high-ranking Q, and the woman, uh, we now find out, is Amanda from the Next Generation episode True Q. Uh, they say that the Continuum is not pleased with Q's contest, but uh, they do allow him to continue, but say that this is their, this is his last warning. Meanwhile, back to the contest, Trelane tells the captains of their next mission. They're going to capture a Borg Queen for his little zoo, his little intergalactic zoo. The captains state that they will not capture the Queen just to have her enslaved in a zoo, um, and also, I think they kind of doubt that they could even do it. And then Kirk's just standing in the background saying, what's a board queue? What's a board queen? So Trelane assures them that he will only keep her in the queue for a very, very short amount of time. Uh, just to say he did it. And then he will return her back to her normal time. So this this allows them to agree. With a... With that, Q snaps his fingers and they find themselves in their ships in the Delta Quadrant. The four ships travel towards the closest board cube. Janeway is using her Iconian arch to talk secretly to Picard. Uh, she says that they have not tried walking through the arch yet, but they're working on it. And she says that this gives her a way to talk to all the captains without Q being able to overhear. The four ships arrive to the cube and all fire on it to no avail. Picard, Seven, Odo, and Spock beam over. Odo addresses his concern about trusting Seven, being a former Borg. Picard assures him that they can trust her, and then suddenly she turns around and walks off uh, very mysteriously. Sisko, Data, Chakotay, and Bashir beam over as well. And they seem to be able to mask their life signs in such a way that the Borg drones don't even know that they're there. Picard, still searching for Seven, gets an unexpected assistance from Wesley Crusher. Wesley just pops out of nowhere and he tells Picard where to go. Um, Wesley also states that he's there with the Traveler and that they're here to try to help as much as they can. 
Picard follows Wesley's directions, and they find Seven in front of the Queen, mesmerized. Odo then does some Plastic Man impression, and he wraps up the Queen in his super stretchy arm, and they head out. Sisko then arrives, and he threatens to take the Queen from Picard by force if necessary. Then, drones from all sides appear, and they start attacking the two groups. Uh, it seems that they're going to be overwhelmed when a classic-era shuttle, like the Galileo, crashes in to the board cube and crushes the drones. Kirk, Kirk's team pops out, and uh, they basically say that the, the shuttle's damaged beyond repair, but they're able to beam over, but they're able to beam back to the Enterprise. Uh, left to their own devices, it looks like the uh, Cisco team and the Picard team are about to bite it when Janeway opens up one of the uh, Iconian arches and she's able to have them step through back into their ships. The point then goes to Picard, but Amanda, Wesley, and the Traveler appear to the three captains and tells the captains that it's time for them to help. To be concluded. Ah. That extra allies that uh, Guinan was talking about. Guinan was talking about, yeah. Very obsequiously. Is that a, I think that's the right word. Uh, yes, so, traveler help. Handy. What are the full capabilities of travelers? I've never known that. I know they can travel, but right. with no apparent instrumentation? Uh, at least I don't remember ever seeing any mechanisms or ships or things. Uh, they just seem to or maybe they just didn't show it. But right. other than that, I don't. I have no idea what, what Traveler's capabilities are. Yeah, in the books, they... I mean, like I, like I said last episode, I mean, they're... It seems like Wesley almost had, like, Jedi powers where he could manipulate people's minds and make them see things that they didn't... that weren't there, and, uh, you know, he could manipulate things around him, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't know what, what cool. the extent of their powers are. But that's not canon. Uh, no, but I mean, but he seems to be pretty powerful here, and, and yeah. so in the in these issues, it kind of seems like he still has those things, like like the powers are similar to what he had in the books. Okay, so what what was he? Oh, was he actually able to attack the Borg? No, he just showed up at the end. He just showed up at the end. Okay, but he okay. came out of nowhere. He just like came out of a wall or something. Right, right. He's like, hey, go over here. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. I, I was super excited to see Wesley, and Wesley's always been kind of a, a hard spot for me because, you know, he went off with the Q. I mean, went off with the Traveler. Right. You know, and, and had all these adventures in the books and stuff that, you know, may not be canon. And then he just shows up in Star Trek Nemesis, you know, at the dinner in a Starfleet uniform. Right. Which always bugged me because I was like, he's not Starfleet. I mean, I get why he would be there to see right. Riker's wedding. Yeah. But uh, it always bothered me that he was in a in a Starfleet uniform. So right. Were they retconning it, the character? I don't what's know. What's going or, on? Or the people who are writing it are like, I don't care what's going on. What he did. <laughs> we just need him in here. And... Everyone's getting together, so come on. Right, right. And then I kind of like retconned it in my head. It was like, okay, well, he probably wore the the uniform so that he didn't stand out and maybe not everybody knows that he's a traveler now right but uh okay but but anyways 
I was happy to see him. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah, I was happy to see him again. But I got to say, this is just my own, when they're at the very end, uh, where it to be continued thing, and they got Amanda in there again. It's like, wait a minute, who's this again? <laughs> so I didn't recognize her as Amanda. I mean, what, what was it, what's Amanda doing with them? It's like, I, these, these three things don't go together. Um, <laughs> so I was a little thrown off by that. Um, anyway, whatever. What I was thrown off about is that they made a big deal about Seven running off, you know, unexpectedly. Oh, yeah. And then when you find out where she is, she's literally just standing in front of the board queen. Yeah. And neither one are doing anything except just standing looking at each other. And then Odo is just able to lasso her up and Spock's able to flash her with some <laughs> some uh, something. And then they're like, OK, she's she's down. Let's go. Exactly. I, I was disappointed in that. Well, I kind of liked it because basically Seven became the homing beacon that that allowed them to find the Borg Queen because they didn't quite know where she was. But they so, didn't even explain it. She's Even no, Seven's like, I don't know why I walked over there. Well, because well, she was a former drone that was taken over again. Of course, why wasn't Picard taken over again? I don't know. Right. Um but, but even Seven says, I've been with the Queen before, and I never felt this strong uh, yeah. an, a, a compulsion to just stand there. Yep. Un- uncontrollable. So, yeah. but, I don't know. But they did, for better or for worse, they the story, the narrative, used her as the homing beacon. Right. To, you know, to, to find exactly where the, the Queen was. So, I mean, I kind of see and understand that, but yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I really was surprised uh, Cisco didn't win this one since he's the only one who hasn't won yet. Oh, right. One of the challenges. And then when he shows up and he's going to like take take the queen by force, I was like, oh, wow. That's different. He's going to get the point by doing that. And then doesn't really do much except makes the threat and then they get attacked and get saved by Kirk. Right. Kind of. Okay, so, well, okay, so Cisco hasn't won anything yet so far. Uh-uh. Nope. Huh, I didn't notice that. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I, I, I definitely know... One, Jane, no, well, Jane, Jane won, won the first one. one, Kirk won the second one, right. Picard won the last one, and then he won this one. Yeah. So yeah, they've had four challenges, and Cisco has won none. Damn it! Come on, Cisco's good. He should win one of these. Yeah, he's got Data on his team, too. Exactly. And Bashir, an augmented human, a robot, and half-profit. They right. should have. They should. They should have won everything. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, I, I was just kind of wondering how exactly did Corbin Bernstein? This is the beginning. And mm-hmm. Amanda stop the fight between Q and the Prophets. So they just use their combined Q Wonder Twin powers to break up the fight. I mean, they really didn't explain that, did they? No. No, but they didn't need to. Yeah, they just snapped their fingers off screen and it all went back to normal. <laughs> or maybe they had all the power of the continuum because they are there on their behalf. So maybe well, the whole Q continuum can override Q himself and whatever the wormhole aliens were doing. Yeah, maybe. But they seemed it seemed quite handy how they how they ended everything. Right. Okay. I I did like the back and forth between Q and. And blonde Q, mm-hmm. where they're basically talking about all the other godlings being inferior, and then uh, the Metron and the 
yeah. Margani and are like, uh, you know, we can hear you, right? <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen jokes like that before in other things, and I even though it was not a uh, an original joke, I thought it was very well implemented. Yeah, you know, we can hear you. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know. Um, I also like uh, how Q. Uh, Q's joke about Picard. Uh, you know, he's telling Picard he will get them to the Delta Quadrant. You know, when they're talking about getting the Borg Queen. Uh, uh, so he's going to get them to the Delta Quadrant with Flash and all that. Right. So I love that. So uh, in this whole issue, every time Q does something, uses his magical powers to sweep them away wherever, they would always have the uh, the words, or the word, the made-up word, flash. And so I thought that was great how Q actually said, I'll do the flash and all that. So it's like, that's like breaking down the third wall and a little wink to the uh, readers and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, a little dash of Deadpool, a little dash of Moonlighting, a lot of other different uh, TVs and movies that kind of spoke to the audience. I thought that was pretty funny. I like that. Yep, that's good. Um, I thought it was really really nice how they had McCoy in the background panel uh, once in this issue. (laughs) Uh, Is that all you got? I think that's all he got. (laughs) (laughs) So Kirk says something, and then McCoy is kind of reacting with his his face. Oh, yeah. And that's it it. Yeah, I think that was the only time he appeared in here. But hey, at least he at least he made the cut. At least he was in the issues. Didn't do much, but yeah. Well, at least uh, got more screen time than Ahura did. I mean, she oh yeah, she's shown at the one of the comm stations in front of Seven of Nine. So yeah, McCoy... and, and the way they drew Seven of Nine, nobody's looking at Ahura. Unfortunately, <laughs> they drew her way way too. Sexualized, I thought in this. Yeah. No, I'm talking about seven of nine. Just like yeah, seven of nine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they didn't even. It's not even subtle. It's just like, no, it isn't at all. This is this is her butt. You're looking at it because that's half the page. Exactly. <laughs> and there's a there's one where they're where Odo is carrying the Borg Queen, and they're mm-hmm. kind of doing something with her butt and legs too. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. That's. That's I mean, just... I know that what she was wearing, but it's just like I don't remember the camera angles focusing <laughs> so much on it on the, in the show. Right. So. Um, I got a question about the the Borg um, spinning top kind of shape to the Borg craft. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm definitely familiar with cubes, Borg cubes, uh, Borg spheres. Okay, Borg sphere is fine, but this shape, which is kind of more or less like, uh, like, like a pyramid. A yeah, yeah, or it's it's like two pyramids stuck together, or diamond. I guess it could be called a diamond too. Um, but anyway, th- that rough shape. What well, that was? Uh, I'm not. I don't recall where I've seen that before, but I think I've seen it before. Yeah, it was in Voyager. Oh, um, in Voyager. Okay. Yeah, and I think usually it was like one of their Nexus. Um, Ships, okay, like or our, command. It was ship almost like a space. It was almost like a space station and stuff. Space station, okay. Yeah, but it was. I think in the show they showed it in like in the Nexus inside the you know the transwarp thing, whatever. 
Oh, okay. I think they called it the Nexus. I don't remember. But yeah, it's it's they met up the Queen quite a few times in, in a ship like that. Right. Okay. And in fact, I, I until you mentioned it, I didn't even realize it wasn't a cube. I guess I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely one of those those yeah, diamond shaped crib. It's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of asymmetrical, you know. So it's not a perfect geometrical shape, which is I thought that was the whole point of the Borg. The other ships are just simple geometric shapes because they don't there's no sense of style <laughs> to the uh, to the Borg but yeah it looks pretty cool but oh yeah so uh, you didn't you didn't notice the shape yeah I didn't notice until you mentioned it I was like what is he talking about it's a cube and uh, then I looked at him like, oh no it was one of those diamond things right right yep okay that's all I'd say about this one yeah 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 you um, I thought it was weird how they had the shoehorn Kirk's part into it, where he just crashes the Galileo into the Borg cube. Oh, that's so cool! But it doesn't make sense. The Borg cube doesn't have shields. To well, I mean, I know that they were shooting at him earlier, but still. Well, I think you'll recall best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, Data and Worf were able to fly a shuttle through their through the Borg cube's uh, shields. Okay. So they did the same thing. Uh, were they able to crash through it? And Well, they didn't bother crashing into it. I mean, they actually wanted to get back out again. <laughs> but that was my point. They crashed through it. How did they know where Picard was? How I, did they know that you're they were going to You're asking too many squish, questions. You are asking the drones and not too the many questions, my friend. That's what I'm saying. I just That part seemed like it was just, we got to give Kirk something to do. Well, yeah. And if you don't think about it too much, I thought it was kind of cool. Because mm. here comes Kirk... He's got no tech. I mean, his technology is backwards and everything. He can't do it. We gotta do something. I can't just. We can't just sit here hanging back. And it's like, okay, we're gonna do something the Kirk way. Smash. <laughs> and I know they don't have seatbelts, so they would be flying through those windshields <laughs> when they crashed. I agree. I don't think inertial dampeners can quite, uh, quite compensate fully. Although, right. if they were real, they'd have to. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, if inertial dampeners were real, then when you got hit by anything, exactly. you didn't feel it. Exactly. All those original Taz episodes where they were throwing themselves across the uh, stationary bridge. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, that wouldn't happen. Anyway. All right. You what ready else? to finish how it ends? I, I am ready for that. Okay, so this is number six. Um... Uh, this one's published date is June 2019. I think... I'm just scanning. I think everybody's the same. Yeah, I think everybody's the same. Um, three covers. Cover A is, again, the left half of a larger picture and features Kirk, Captain Janeway, Trelane, um, and then uh, the right half of Q in his red and black Inquisitor's outfit, you know, from, from the first episode of Next Gen. Um, the look on Trelane's face is odd and kind of extreme. I just thought I might, might point that out. I mean, he usually has a smirk on his face, but this look on his face in particular kind of caught my eye and kind of made me think it was a little odd. Cover B presents the right half of the larger picture and features Cisco, Picard, Aylborn, the Metrone, and the left half of Q in his Inquisitor's outfit. 
Uh, both of those covers are by David Messina. The Retailer Incentive cover, again, uh, this one looks like an old Russian propaganda poster kind of thing um, and features a statuesque or the statuesque torsos of Picard, Cisco, Janeway, and Kirk. And their ships are drawn um, apparently to correct, or something more to correct scale, streaking across uh, the starry background. And this is another one by George Kaltsodas. Right. So, I mean, this one clearly shows that Enterprise E is the biggest ship of the lot, which I think I think is correct. And that... Uh, Defiant is the smallest. Uh, so, In the Enterprise-E conference room, Wesley Crusher explains Guinan called them for help. Sitting next to him is the Traveler and Amanda Rogers of the Q Continuum. Amanda explains that there are many in the Continuum that disagree with this senseless war and with the other godlings and even more strongly this competition that uses unwilling participants from lesser species. These new allies, along with the captains, begin to formulate an incomplete plan that involves A, using the Iconian Stargate, oh, I mean portal, to travel where Q and the godlings are without them knowing. Then B, the travelers handling navigation to direct the Iconian device to transport them to the, quote, Q garden. Before they can figure out what they will do once they drop in on the godlings, they determine their time has run out to be together. They must return back to the ship or their respective ships before Q comes a-knocking. Shortly after they return, Q comes a-knocking and challenges the teams to obtain an Omega Molecule. At first, Picard, Sisko, and Janeway refuse due to the dangerous properties of Omega molecules. Their instability can turn into an explosion that can destroy light years of subspace, which makes warp travel through the affected areas impossible. Q does not care and transports them back to their ships, saying, Impress me! From their ships, they gather together again to finish their planning. They have a way to crash Q's party without warning, but they need the muscle to make Q submit. In response, Amanda provides the humans with Q weapons that have the ability to injure or even kill a Q. When Amanda hands over the weapons, they look like unimpressive white rods, something like boring magic wands. Amanda tells the cream of the Starfleet crop they can imagine the Q weapons to be any form of weapon that they desire, something that they can feel comfortable wielding. Kirk's wand transforms immediately into a where-no-man-has-gone-before phaser rifle. Ooh, baby. Balana reports they will have the Iconian device ready to transport them to wherever it is that Q keeps taking them to. The Traveler and Wesley say they are ready to operate the portal and get them to wherever they need to go. Amanda asks how many of them are going, to which Picard responds, everyone, who was originally forced to participate in the contest. Behind Picard is Kirk, Sisko, Janeway, Riker, 
and the rest of the Starfleet officers and friends, armed with Q-weapons in familiar and unfamiliar shapes. Most look like Starfleet weapons from their day, but others have more creativity, like Tom Paris holding what appears to be a Russian AK-47 from the 20th century. They transition through the portal to Q's garden, where Q sees them almost immediately and transforms his topiary chess pieces into vicious, toothy monstrosities that go on the attack. Quark, of all people, takes down the first vicious bush in a ball of flame created by what appears to look like a standard 24th century Starfleet phaser rifle. Other Starfleeters take out the rest of the leafy creatures with impressive Q-weapons while watching others' backs. With a very worried posture, Trelane states they are doing far better than he would have expected. Angry at the defeat of his vicious topiaries, Q conjures a battalion of Napoleonic soldiers and a fiery-spirited white horse for Trelane to ride as he leads the soldiers into battle. Not trusting the counterattack solely to Trelane, Q conjures dozens of Magatu, a bunch of Borg, a batch of Breen, and more to teach Picard and his lackeys to attack him and the godlings. The Corbin Burson Q comes up behind Q, trying to talk him down off the ledge. Things have gotten way out of hand, and Q needs to stop the escalation now. Q does not listen until the sharp, bioengineered eye of Dr. Bashir is able to draw a bead on Q with his sniper rifle and squeeze the trigger. The Q weapon bullet carves a canyon through Q's left cheek, spilling Q blood. Though still angry, Q is struck by how suddenly vulnerable he has become. If that projectile was more to the right, Q comes to his senses and tells the Corbin Q that he will resolve everything. Fwash! The scenery totally changes to a great conference hall with a table in the center and stadium-style seating to provide a good view for the proceed- of the proceedings. At the table are the four captains, the godlings, and Trelane's horse, of course. Q is standing and leading the negotiations. Starfleet crews and interested parties are in the stadium seating looking on. After all the back and forth, A, all Q and godling hostility hostilities will cease. B. Wesley and Amanda will lose their Q traveler powers. The Iconian portal will be turned over to the Q. The crews will be returned to their correct times and places. Now, with everything settled, Q holds a reception afterward with an open bar, which is a nice touch. Picard seems particularly enamored with Trelane's horse. O'Brien and Bashir toast to the latter's purposely bad aim. Later, Q visits Picard in his ready room to wrap up the story. Wesley is at Starfleet Academy, and Amanda is happily on track for a career in biological sciences. Q admits the Continuum was ready for a long, protracted war with, other, with the other godlings that would have caused great harm to lesser beings such as Picard and his lot. When Picard confronted Q, 
Picard's anger gave him the idea for the contest as a way to bring to quick resolution the situation. And besides being omnipotent can be such a bore, the contest was a welcome distraction. Until next time, mon capitaine. Froosh. The end. So that explains why Wesley's there in Nemesis in a Starfleet uniform. I guess so. Isn't that funny? So this whole thing was just a retcon, (laughs) that mistake in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) To explain it. Yes. Exactly. You're right. There you go. It's all explained. So, um... All right, so here's my main problem with that last page. Okay. Um, Picard asks if everybody's going to have their memories wiped. And then Q says he gave it – it was an option to each person whether they wanted to remember or not. Yeah. So that means that if Kirk decided not to forget, then he knows everything about the Borg, everything about uh, Q and and everything else in the future. Future starships. Exactly. Yep. So uh, I didn't really care for that part. That uh, well, I that, was surprised. Yeah, I, I was surprised that Q just didn't wipe everybody's memory and just be over with it. And that would obviously be the easier way to, you know, that's how most of these stories end. Exactly. Is, you know, every time they've met in the past, they don't always, they don't ever remember, or usually don't remember. Right. Every time Doctor Who met himself, they always like, oh, well, the older Doctor Who won't remember this, so, uh, you know, blah, 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 we'll just keep going forward. Uh, <laughs> so it's just like, uh, you know, that's that's the easy way out, but, it, but here it, they didn't do that, and it makes it, I don't know, much more cumbersome storytelling-wise is that, I mean, who would choose to have their memory wiped? I wouldn't. No. No, I mean, I might, I might want to not remember being squished to death by the wormhole prophets, yes. but yeah. uh, the rest of it, I would probably want to remember. Yeah, all those nice people you met from the other ships, and especially like you know Scotty, who probably on his off time searched the uh, internet for all the you know the sports scores and things like that. So he's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go back. I I'm going to, I'm going to Biff sworn... Tanner this or whatever his name was on exactly. <laughs> I could have sworn you were going to say something about him figuring out, uh, you know, photon or uh, quantum torpedoes or something. Oh yeah, okay. that, would, that would have been better. I was that's where I thought it, you though. were going. I wasn't <laughs> expecting you to do a Biff thing. <laughs> well, I couldn't see Spock doing that, and Kirk wouldn't do that. But but Scotty, I don't know. He, <laughs> I think he might. <laughs> uh, McCoy might have tried to figure out what uh, you know the the cure for his dad was. You know. Oh. Since, uh, Good point. Since we know that his dad's sick and dies like the week before they find a cure to whatever it was. Right. But um, McCoy was still on the Taw ship. Yeah, I know. So but it's not probably... like he could search the uh, the data banks of the other ships easily they had, anyway. They had the internet. They could have probably. They had the internet. <laughs> they could have probably connected okay. into the deep space. I mean, they were connected to Deep Space Nine. They probably had an ethernet port. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That must be it. Right. Of course, so. you know, my favorite part of this whole thing. What? Kirk gets an original Taz phaser rifle. Oh, wow. yeah. I knew you were going to love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, do uh, you mind if I just 
talk about the different uh, weapons people go chose to it. make for themselves? Since I since it's brought up. Yeah, go okay, for it. Okay, so Kirk has the phaser rifle. Wonderful. And actually, uh, is it? I, I think Chekhov has one too. Um, I I think for whatever reason Sulu has a has a hand phaser. Um, Riker has a first contact phaser rifle. Okay, to be expected. Um, which is you know so those are kind of be, kind of expected. Uh, mm-hmm. Some are not expected. Is definitely Tom Paris grabbing a Russian AK-47 machine gun. However, he does have a preoccupation with 20th century, right? So I guess it makes sense. Sure. Uh, but uh, you know, I, at first that threw me off a bit. Um, McCoy has a hand phaser, which makes sense, but it somehow looks it, it, it does not look like the original Taw's hand phaser. It looks more advanced somehow, uh, but it's not a, an exact Taw's hand phaser. Eh, close enough. Yeah, yeah, you're right, but it's not the same. But there you go. Uh, Doctor Bashir has uh, the long, skinny sniper rifle, and we found out eventually why. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that he was thinking ahead. You know, I don't see anybody with a sniper rifle. I better make a sniper rifle. Um, so, okay, fine. Uh, Chakotay is holding some kind of metallic thing, which was not obvious what it was at first. But no, I of course, it was like a bludgeon or something at first. I was like, why, is, why did he get like a, you know, a, just a melee like, weapon? Exactly. It just looks like a, like a chunk of metal. You know, uh, curved metal. But it turned out to be a mortar, which was pretty right. handy in the end, yeah. in the battle. Um, Deanna Troy appears to be holding a Taz phaser rifle or hand phaser, yeah, which was interesting. Kira. Yeah, I mean, it, wouldn't they have like more a next gen one? You would think, yeah. Yeah, anyway. the, the Dustbuster one? <laughs> exactly, the Dustbuster <laughs> one, exactly. <laughs> uh, O'Brien has an interesting phaser rifle. I'd never seen the likes of it before. It kind of has a round circular part that makes it look a little bit like a Tommy gun. I thought it was a Tommy gun. Well, it isn't. I mean, if you look, it's it's, know, it's, it's, it's an energy weapon of some mm. kind, but it does kind of look like a Tommy gun. It's got that that round, uh, you know, uh, gun magazine or whatever the right word is for it. Right. Uh, Cisco has the first contact phaser rifle, which is cool because he didn't have one of those stupid looking uh, phaser rifles uh, that they used to have on DS Nine that looked like an elongated hand phaser. But he should because. In this context, uh, first contact hasn't happened yet from his point of view. So he shouldn't have a more advanced weapon than he's ever seen before. I agree. But at least they didn't – at least he didn't have one of those stupid hand rifles (laughs) or uh, stupid phaser rifles. Right. I I think the artist just made a good choice. Even though it it agreed, it doesn't make 100% time-wise where he came from. Uh, I think he just looked at Riker's, Riker's light rifle and said, oh, that looks a lot cooler than my, the one I usually <laughs> would use. I'll, I'll take one of those. Now, what about Dax? Which one does she have? Uh, I don't know. Uh, what did she have? I don't remember. I, I don't it, know. Kinda, that that didn't looks stick like, out in uh, my mind. The, Let's the, take a look. the normal Deep Space Nine one. Oh, did she? She's kind of in the background, so it kind of looks like the first contact rifle. Oh, too. let's look. Oh, yeah, that's a first contact rifle. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. But then the tip kind of looked like it was the dustbuster stuck on the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then does Spock is Spock holding her? He's holding something. It looks like I don't know. I was gonna. I was waiting for you to tell me what it was. Huh. It the front kind of looks like a uh, a first contact rifle, which doesn't make any sense. Um, no, it looks like it's flat. Like. I thought maybe it was one of those 
Lurpas? Yeah, yeah. Lurpas? <laughs> yeah, but then I was like, yeah, it doesn't quite look like that. No, no, that no. Yeah, no, nobody has melee weapons. Everybody's got every they they can shoot something. Well, that we know of, we don't see. Well, what's okay, we can't at, see so. everybody, but come on, and we can't see Worf, not really. Yeah, I thought Worf. I was like, I wonder if he has a bat. That'd be pretty cool. Right, and Odo never uses weapons. Right, he he he's the constable without any gun. Right, right, like Andy Griffith used to be. Uh, so did he ever have a weapon, or is he just doing his Mister Fantastic thing? Yeah, the whole time? I don't remember him. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember that. I mean, Odo has that. Not Odo. Um, Quark has that weird. Looks like a musket almost. I don't know what that's. No, to. he's he's got a he's he's got a phaser rifle. Quark. Um, oh, oh, uh, Quark. Well, when when he when he's torching the okay when he's torching the the bush. Oh yeah 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 definitely. So, yeah, so what does later. he have in the group shot? It's like a thin looking musket. Almost. Oh yeah, you're right. And then later, when Odo pulls him into the portal, it, it's the same long, skinny, right. uh, musket looking type thing. I mean, it's not a musket, so don't don't yell at me. No, no. But uh, I mean, but it looks like a an yeah, it looks older. Like... Older look, yeah, it looks like an old like 1700s flintlock or something like that. Right. Yep. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Later, he does have the normal phaser, which the makes phaser rifle so much more sense. And then, okay, so Kira has a hand phaser in the group shot, but she's wielding a phaser rifle in the uh, in the melee with the uh, with the with the bushes. Right, and then Spock has. The uh, the rifle you like so much, the Taz rifle, in, uh, during the fight. Oh, during the fight, yeah, because yeah. he does not have that in the group shot. No. So. Right. Oh well, it could change to anything. They, they could, You're right. Yeah, you could you could make it whatever they wanted it to be. Exactly. It, you can change your mind. Cool. I I thought it was kind of funny that they actually had like a cloud of those uh, Wrath of Khan earwig things. Is that what it was? I or, think so. Okay, because there there was also that um, next generation episode where those things would burrow into the back of their heads, and then you know there was that one shot where um, I think Picard shoots a, an admiral's head off or something like that. Oh, that was th- that I was towards it, the end of the first season. First season, right? Oh, I right. thought that's what that little guy was, Is but that you're that right was? that that might have that might be the uh, Wrath of Khan bug too. Yeah. Were they that lacking pretty, in creativity? Those, those are pretty big. Yeah. That is not going to go in your ear. No. You're, oh, you're, but it was the babies uh, that went into your ear, not the adults. Not the adults, right. They would, yeah. Uh, well, that, that's an interesting point. Huh. I wonder if that is that, uh, that creature from the first season. Hmm. Yeah. That we're taking know. people over. Now, it's right. funny towards... This is a, a slight tangent, but I thought it was funny how they uh, how they were going down at the end of the first season. They were going down the rep the the, the path of basically having uh, people being taken over, you know, pod people, whatever, by these these creatures. And they totally right. stopped all that, uh, stop all that, and they went different directions. I mean, eventually they came up with the Borg, but um, interesting. Oh, was that the first season or the second season? I'm pretty sure it was the first season. Okay, first season. Okay. Well, they stopped all that. So, uh, and you, did we? We never saw them again. I know that. Mm-mm. Uh, nope. Did they really wrap it up though? Uh, no, I think I think I, they kind of get on the ship at the end, and they're like, "Yeah, there might be more out there, and we'll never know." 
Yeah. And then okay. they just never talk about it again. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. So much for that. <laughs> little little uh, detour. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought I was detecting a little bromance going on between Q and Trelane towards the end of the so- end of the story. You know. Yeah. My uh, my trusty, you know, you you pro- you proved to be quite a a trusty uh, sidekick. Uh, Cisco Kid and Poncho, Batman and Robin, uh, <laughs> Jerry and George. It's like uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Another thing I thought was interesting is how Dr. Crusher, who looked like a teenager, threw herself on Wesley in the one panel. Um, so it's like, oh, Wesley, I can't believe... you know. So, so here's another, you know, I missed you so much, and she launches herself on him. It's only one, it's only one, uh, one picture, right. uh, one panel, and you look at it, and it's like, she looks like she's more like a date than, <laughs> than, than the mother. I thought that was odd. Yeah, yeah, she looks pretty young there. Yep. Yep, nope, you're right. Um, I loved the shot of um, Trelane on the horse like Napoleon. Yes, that was so appropriate. <laughs> that was so good for Trelane. Yeah, that that made the whole book for me. Oh, cool. And then he's like riding in and all the the soldiers are behind him. Right. The French, French soldiers. and right. Mugatu's on the other side. I, oh, I liked that part. I love the Mugatu's. I didn't care for the uh, chess pieces, the bushes coming no, to life. That was, that was, little, kind, that was of, ridiculous. That was kind of silly. Yeah, that was silly. But uh, but they kept on going. And uh, Mugatu's, uh, the the soldiers, the um, the Borg. They threw Borg at them. It looked like they had brain soldiers going at them. Uh, at least if I if I identified that helmet right. Um, Yes. Oh, oh. Um, another one is actually, as Trelane is on the white horse and stuff, those guys with the beard and the high hats. Mm-hmm. Aren't those the guys from uh, the original pilot with Pike, where he's in a life and death struggle with some big, huge the giant guy? Yeah, right. I mean, are mm, those them? Maybe I don't know because they kind of look like him. Yeah, but they also look like French soldiers oh, from the building French. Time. Well, yeah, yeah was... but uh, there were other there were other parts when he was first, you know, given the horse, and then Q was first whipping up the soldiers. They looked mm-hmm. like French soldiers, but in this particular one that happens a little later, where it's a close up of 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 Q, uh, those do not look like French soldiers. Oh, oh, oh! No, I, no, now I see it. Yeah. Yeah, I know those do look like with the fuzzy like, hats. Yeah, 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 those look like the giants. Exactly right, and that and was they a all seem to have the guy. exact same face. Right. Yep. I mean, well, I don't we wanna, only saw I don't one want to of be them. Species, but I mean, I get why the Mugatu all kind of look the same. Because, you know. <laughs> but I don't know why this humanoid-looking guy looks the same all the way across. Yeah. Yeah. Well, budgets what they are, the Mugatus are gonna, you know, they're gonna just gonna make one face on the rubber masks, so. So what are the rock creatures that Spock and, or ah. I guess it's McCoy and, and Kirk are fighting? Yes, exactly. So I was those... thinking Galaxy Quest, but uh, that's the wrong franchise. It's wrong franchise. Yeah, I think that was the one where, remember the episode from Taz where uh, Lincoln and... Um, yeah, Kalis and... And then the Vulcan... Uh, Sarek. Sarek. Right. No, uh, that's not right. Yeah, it's a uh, 
Well, anyway, so 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 the big uh, characters from 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 their respective species, yeah. history. all the all the all the religions, and also Lincoln. Exactly. Well, you know who was supposed to be there originally, right? It was supposed to be Jesus. It was supposed to be Jesus Christ, and they said eh, it's not going to play in the South, <laughs> maybe not other places. So they swapped in. Uh, Lincoln. So they swapped in Lincoln, which is like, uh, that's not religious. Anyway, whatever. Um, anyway, the, I think those rock guys are the guys that um, had orchestrated all that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I do believe. Uh, and then, oh, uh, also in the blue outfits, the soldiers, were those the um, Deep Space Nine? Uh the guys that worked for the uh, uh, come on, you're the DS9 guys. Uh, I don't know which blue blue soldiers you're talking about. I'm they looking. had blue outfits, and then oh 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 yeah, <sighs> Sam. yeah the uh, uh, the Dominion Dominion the the, the Dominion soldiers the Jem'Hadar Jem'Hadar there they are the yeah, Jem'Hadar no, sorry, them. yeah I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, that's cool. They didn't. I mean, they didn't show him beyond that one panel. I don't think, but uh, it was. But all Oda, all Oda would have had to do is walk in front of them and say, "Stop!" And they would have been like, "Oh, I found her." (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's what he did. He didn't need a weapon. He just did his founder thing. Oh, good point. Good point. Exactly. They just did it off off screen. We didn't exactly. Well, we can't see everything. (laughs) I did like how Q was about to bring in a whole bunch of uh, uh, Telosians. Before, oh yeah, right. Before Blind Q stopped him, and he gets shot in the face. <laughs> now they really made me angry. They haven't seen anything yet. Oh yeah, okay. The mind games of the Telosians. Yeah, that would have been that would have been confusing. Right. Okay. So, so at this time, O'Brien doesn't know that uh, that Bashir's augmented. So why did everybody keep calling him the secret weapon? The secret weapon. Well, because they didn't care about that piece of uh, continuity. <laughs> <laughs> but they were worried about, you know, explaining why Wesley was a nemesis. But uh, they weren't worried about that part. Probably, yes. You, you've got it. <laughs> uh, but anyways, it was a good series, I thought. I mean, it well, was. It didn't live up to the hype I had in my head, but yeah. uh, I still enjoyed and, it. And I didn't, I didn't quite like how Q was basically put forward as, oh, I didn't want this protracted war. Um, And I saw through you a way of ending it much sooner. I mean, so he comes off like he's like a great guy and stuff. And it's like, I don't think so. In the middle of the story, he was like saying, oh, this is going to go on forever. I'm having such fun. Uh, you know, I, I don't like that part of it. Right, right. Uh, and by the way, speaking of Q at the end, um, when they're in in the uh, auditorium or they're in the uh, they're they're negotiating a truce, basically. So this is like Geneva, Switzerland, or something, and they're all together and they're working out what the, cease to host, host, uh, ceasing hostilities and stuff. Um, Q is very specific about his clothing. So, sometimes he's the Inquisitor, sometimes he's dressed up as Starfleet people. Usually, whenever he changes his outfit, usually there's uh, there's something behind it. But here it is, he's in a black suit, and a black skinny tie, and he's got a bright 
power red shirt, mm-hmm. uh, 20th century kind of garb. And it's like, well, what was he going for there? Well, Blonde Q is dressed the same way, except he's wearing well, a gray shirt. Well, he's, he's got gray lapels, really broad lapels and stuff. Uh, but, and he's got a green, yeah, green shirt. Um, well, I, I don't care about him. I'm talking about Q. <laughs> so okay. w- what was Q going for? I mean, wh- who was he replicating? Uh, I mean, that's a 20th century outfit. Now, the yeah. thing about uh, Blonde Q is at least he's got, you know, broad enough lapels and it's a different color that that looks like that's not 20th century. Uh, or at least no suit I've ever seen. But Q's outfit, I mean, you know, I was just, what is he talking about? And then right away I was thinking, hmm. And I did a few searches, and indeed I found uh, a picture of Lucifer, a uh, TV show. Right. Uh, him in a, uh, a black uh, suit. Uh, he has a red tie, uh, but he like, has like a red mar- maroon shirt on. So, all right. That's a cl- you think that's, you the think that's thing where I they were figure. going for? I, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't, but that's the best thing I could figure. Uh, so, there you go. And they were probably just like, yeah, you know, they're doing boardroom stuff, so this guy needs to look like, you know, a CBS exec or something <laughs> like that. Well, yeah. I think what they're going more for was a... Uh, lawyer. Uh, well, well I, I think you're right. I think they are going for a lawyer. Look. But this is this is like I thought they were going more for like uh, a United Nations kind of you know political solution happening to uh, conflict. That's I thought it was more of a governmental thing mm. um, than a than a business thing. But uh, yeah, I guess they could have been going for the business thing. I th- I think it's funny that the horse is there. <laughs> yeah, and Cork's like sitting behind it, so he's having to lean over to see over the horse's head. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what, what's the horse doing there? And then later on, in the uh, <laughs> when they're having the open bar, and uh, Miles and Julian are having martinis in the background, there's the horse again. And then Picard, <laughs> of all people, seemed to be petting it. Right, I saw that, yeah. It's like, what's that about? He likes horses. Well, I mean, I, I think I mean, Kirk, it's more of a Kirk thing. I, it's more of a Kirk thing, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting choice. So you notice that the uh, the holographic doctor is is in the attendance of that boardroom. Oh, where he's he's sitting right next to the horse. Oh, you're right. W- was he, he? No, he stayed on. No. He was on Voyager when they all got flopped away Fooshed. or whatever. Flooshed. Huh. Okay, you, you know what time it is now. What's that? Who didn't make the cut? Oh, yeah, yeah. You said you had a list. I have a list. Now, no. I'm not explain, I am not even attempting to explain any of these with the time periods they came from or anything like that. So that's your thing. I'm just pointing out the fact they didn't make the cut. Not why, just they didn't make the cut. So... Um, the first one that came up is Lieutenant Barkley, except for the cloud thing. Was that the first issue? Yeah, right. Where he yeah, was inexplicably cloud thing. Inexplicably, he's in he's in, like in the sky, like God. Oh, you looking know what? Down. Maybe that's supposed to be the other Q, the blonde Q. No, really? You think? Oh, oh. I don't know. I mean, the blonde Q we're told now has kind of been watching over him the whole time, so maybe. Interesting. I did not even think of that. But you would think that Barkley would be there because he was on the ship yeah well a lot of people are on the ship but yeah 
So, I mean. Okay. But you're well, right. Moving yeah, on. so, yeah, even the Doctor should. I guess the Doctor could have been there. Because if, the, if Voyager's there. Yeah, it made no sense. I mean, who's who's the rest of the crew on the ship? You Was the whole crew there and just those five people were intermingled between the ships and then everybody else was in their normal spots? It didn't make sense. No. Uh, and, and we probably shouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah. But, um, okay, so Tasha Yar. And, you know, I, I know you're going to say right away, well, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they took her, they, she was dead by the time they, they took all the next-gen people. Right. But still, they're resurrecting people from the dead. Um, you know, obviously, Kirk and company, doesn't matter. Uh, Dr. Pulaski. <laughs> Roll Aaron. Uh, Dr. Leah Brahms. Now, I, only, I know she's only been on a few episodes, but I'm going to mention her. Uh, so that's from Next Gen. And there are probably there are more people, but those are the ones that, that, I, I, that came to mind. Um, Why Leah Brahms? Why would she ever be on there? She was not even part of the crew. Well, she was on multiple times. She was in, she was in episodes multiple times. Uh, fine. She was in reality. She was in an episode. Mm-hmm. So she was just somebody that came to mind. Uh, right. And Jordy didn't get to do much either, but whatever. Um, so from Taw's uh, Nurse Chapel... That would have been nice, yeah. That would be nice to see her. She was there the whole, you know, the whole run. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeoman Rand, who was only there in the first season, but still. Um, Gary Mitchell, pre-God. Pre-God. Um, and that's really all I... I mean, there are more people, but I mean, there were all those people on the first pilot, which I'm not even going to... Well, I guess I, I did. I mentioned Gary Mitchell was on the, on the pilot, but whatever. Uh, there's a lot of other people in that too. Doctor, was it Doctor Piper? Was it the doctor's yeah. name Piper? Right. Okay. Well, there's somebody else um, from Voyager, Neelix. Okay. He now he was not. He was a member of the crew. He was not a member of Starfleet, but he was a yeah, member of the crew. So Cork made the cut. But, exactly. But so did. why wouldn't Neelix make it? Whatever. Except, uh, you know, they they took the Enterprise crew after Neelix was already gone because Seven of Nine was there. Sure. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Neelix no, no. was still there. No, no, no. Cass was gone, but Neelix was still. Yeah, there. Did, yeah. Did, didn't they? Didn't Neelix get off the boat like in the like, the last half of the last season? Yeah, right. Yeah, like four episodes to the end. There you go. Exactly. Okay. Yep. You're right. So yeah, he he could have gone. Yep. Um, the doctor, until you pointed it out in the uh, in the peanut gallery, which I did right. not notice. Um, Cass. Okay, so she did leave. Uh. But she was there the first season, at least. First two seasons? Yeah, she was there. First okay. two seasons. Okay. Um, Esri Dax. And yes, I know what you have to say about that, but mm-hmm. I'm not trying to explain anything as far I'm just saying they're not in it. Uh, Nog. Right. Um, Jake Sisko. Okay. So, again, not, not a member of any crew, per se, but obviously a big part of DS9 TV series. Garak. Wouldn't it have been cool to see Garrick? I like or, Garrick. Or, or Morn. Or, oh, Morn. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting to see Morn. Uh, Rom. Okay, so there's another one. Um, that was my list. Anybody come to mind? You didn't do any? Uh, yeah, I guess. No, I'm good. Because, like I said, I, I knew what time period they were taking the crew from, so I didn't right. try to bring people that were either not on the show yet or should have uh, were already gone so mm-hmm. I, I don't have a list sorry 
Okay, well, some of these people are, are from the time period. So yeah, it's a mix. some are. Yeah. It's a mix. Yeah. They're just people that didn't make the cut for yeah. whatever reason. They weren't important enough. They only chose, like, what, seven people from each series? So. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it is weird that Nog, that Rom made it. I mean, not Rom, uh, Quark. Yeah. And they acknowledge that, which somebody must have been a, a Quark fan. I mean, who is on the on the writing team? He's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, another thing I just want to mention is I thought the Iconian portal device uh, looked an awful lot like a Stargate, and the control panel that controlled it um, reminded me of the control panel in a TARDIS. Mm, okay. But also. The control panel of Stargates, so on planets and stuff, where you'd, you know, you see a, a Stargate sitting there, and then the only control device for the Stargate from the TV series uh, was something like that. It's just a, a standalone kind of round console. Um, so, it's just kind of similar. Yeah, the little, the white, the white circle with the, like, electricity on it or whatever, I mean... That looked familiar. I couldn't quite put my finger on where I'd seen something like that. It wasn't Star Trek, though, where uh, it looked what, like a neon tube with uh, with some wire wrapped around it. Oh, it, p- part of the control panel. Yeah, the the big the... the big thing that was floating on top. The right. The big... Agreed. That was that was different. Um, I I don't remember seeing that in Stargate. I don't. That's I'm not just saying, really I, I, like... it reminded me of something. I just can't put my finger on it. Oh, I wanted okay. to say Back gotcha. to the Future, but I know that that's not what the Back to the Future thing looked like. But it was it was something where it was looked like that, but okay. it, it, I don't know what it was, so I wasn't going to bring it up. Ah. But since you did, I, I thought I might as well contribute. I might as well. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, re- it didn't click any bells for me, but... Cool, 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 cool. Um, I'm just looking at it again, just to remind myself to see if it. Oh, right, gotcha, gotcha. It looks like a donut. Right. Yeah, like 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 a neon tube donut in the neon middle of the thing. Donut. Yeah, and, and the thing I'm thinking of, they were like wrapping wire around it or something to make mm-hmm. make a magnet or something. I can't remember. Ah. Like I said, it it reminds me of something, but it's vague enough that I don't really recall what it was. Not an arc reactor, I hope. Maybe that's what it is. Because I remember it, it might have been an arc reactor. Now that you mention it, right from the first Iron Man movie, right? Might have been. Might have been. Could be. Could be. Okay, that's all I have to say. Uh, it's just the general wrap up is the artwork was really good. It was great seeing all the characters brought together, but you know, sometimes like a lot of crossovers the justification for bringing them together and then kind of being kind of equal, you know, giving everybody equal time and stuff, sometimes uh, leads to awkward storytelling. Sure. Yeah, and my main complaint is the Metrons and the Arganians, they really didn't factor into it at all. I mean, at first I thought they were going to help set us you know because they were like talking to their captains on the side hey mm-hmm. uh, you know q's not gonna do this we're gonna we're gonna have to do something else yeah and then they don't even play into it it's it's uh, amanda and wesley so right it was just like uh they just kind of were there yep 
Yeah, do you have a feeling that Amanda and Wesley are going to get together? Uh, I don't know. It'd be cool. They seem to be, like, in a lot of panels together towards the right. end. And they, they're a good-looking couple. <laughs> they're a and handsome they ba- couple. They both know what it, what it was, was to used to have godlike powers and now not. There you go. Exactly. They got a lot in common. They got a kinship. Exactly. And now since Wesley got rid of his sweater, you know, <laughs> he's got a better chance with the ladies. Maybe. Uh, all right. Anything else? Nope. All right. So uh, next week you want to do some more UK strips? Good idea. Let's do some UK strips. All right. So the last time we did UK strips was episode 304. Mm-hmm. And we did uh, seven, eight, and nine—the seventh, eighth, and ninth story from the 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 large uh, hardback. So we'll just do ten, eleven, twelve. Perfect. I have no idea how long they are. They might be three pages long or eleven pages long. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, but sometimes they vary a bit. We'll just we'll plan on doing three stories, regardless of length. Perfect. Sounds great. All right. Well, well, thank you everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories as, as much as we did, or maybe maybe more than we did. But, uh, <laughs> Excellent. But, uh, it was good. It was good. It I was like good. seeing all these people. Yep. So see you next time, everybody, on The View. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at starttcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.